Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast. LeaningTowardWisdom.com, the website. It's a special edition. Welcome inside the Yellow Studio. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Appreciate you clicking play. Special non-Thursday episode of Leaning Toward Wisdom. I know the uh, the themes have been, if you've been paying attention, well, frankly, I don't think you have to pay attention to understand and see the congruency in the last episodes. I would say probably been going on for a couple of months now. You do know the podcast started as kind of a documentary, a documentary, <laughs> a documentation of life. It's how it started. I was in my forties. I was in my early forties when this whole thing began. That was a long time ago. 22, 23 years ago. A lot has changed since then. A lot of water under the bridge or water over the dam. Pick your metaphor. I talked in a recent episode about Encore, you know, the Encore chapter of life. So let's peel the onion back a little bit more. I'll tell you more. Good to hear from you, by the way, those of you that care to email me or reach me by way of social media, I guess a few people, I don't know. Is there a, I started to say, I don't know that there even is a contact page over at the website. I, I don't think there is. Hang on. I'm going to tell you, I took it down because, well, you can find my, you can find my email address. There's plenty of ways to to find that and I do get direct messages and I get emails from you. So I appreciate it. I like, I like hearing from you. I like knowing what's going on with you. That way it doesn't feel like it's just a one-sided conversation. I was looking back through previous episodes and I'll just, I'll, I'll pull them up here. Um, I don't know, just just pretty, pretty thematic for sure. Not all of them, but you certainly are able to tell kind of what's going on with me, but that's kind of the point. Well, no, it's not kind of the point. Really. That is the point. You know, we're leaning toward wisdom. We're trying to do this together and Hey, this is just one guy's journey. It's just one guy's viewpoint. I don't profess to have it all correct. I don't profess to be the guru. I don't profess to be the thought leader. Um, I'm just a guy sitting in a yellow room and talking into a microphone, trying to figure it out. And some days, well, some days you eat the bear and some days the bear eats you. So there are days that 
we figure it out and we feel like we've kind of sort of got it figured out. And some days we do have it figured out a little better than others. And then other, other days where we're like, we, we, not only do we not have it figured out, we can't even figure out what, what it is we're trying to figure out. So there's that. I've talked with you recently about a variety of things, uh, that are happening in my life right now. And today, I don't know. It's not so much about peeling, peeling the onion, you know, pulling the curtain back. It's, it's really more about just kind of sharing with you, uh, the, the behind the eyes kind of stuff. I mean, if I, if I had to kind of give this a theme today, it would be that it's, it's less about the external stuff and it's more about the stuff in inside your head. Um, I'm always occupied by that. If not preoccupied by that, because I just absolutely positively know that our lives emanate from how we think. So I've got a great respect for clear thinking. I've got a great respect for the pursuit to see things more clearly, to see things more accurately. And I absolutely positively know speaking only for myself that I can, I can be deluded. I can be deceived. I can, I can think something to be true, but it's not. And I can think something else to not be true, but it is. Um, I think we all have that capacity some to a greater degree than others, perhaps, but so behind the eyes, behind the eyes, it's, it's, it's what, what's going on behind the eyes. It's, it's been said that the eyes are the window to the soul, uh, but sometimes they, it still doesn't reveal that much because some people are, are pretty good at kind of hiding all that. I know firsthand because uh, when I want to, I can, I can tell you that recently I find myself just not wanting to, you know, just not even not, not wanting to hide it. Just happy to just let it kind of ooze out of me that I'm not interested or I am interested acting, acting. And we all do. We all do. We all, we all mask up as it suits us and we mask up as well, frankly, probably as we need to, uh, to protect ourselves. And sometimes we have to put greater effort into that. I will tell you that in recent months, I have felt the need to, I felt the need to put forth big effort in that, in that regard, uh, to, to just, I, I don't know the right, well, I'm, I'm going to say it. It's going to sound bad and you're going to think, man, he's an awful human being, but I'm just going to say it to just be left alone. One thing coming out of COVID, and I don't know that we've come out of COVID because the variant, the variant has, has been way more successful in spreading seems to me than the original COVID-19 was Ron and I both got the variant. I, I, I don't know hardly anybody there's very, very few people that I don't, that I know who have not contracted the variant. Um, now thankfully it's, I don't know anybody whose lives have been threatened by it. So that's a good thing, but it evidently is highly can, if you can believe what you read and I don't know that we can, 
uh, highly, 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 highly contagious, even more so than the original. But thankfully, the outcome not not near as problematic or potentially deadly, at least for most of us. I bring that up because coming out of the quote-unquote pandemic, and again, I'm not sure that we've come out of it, but we've just learned to live with it, which is probably what we were going to have to do all along anyway. There just seems to be an inordinate, easy for me to say because I'm an introvert, an inordinate push of we need to get together, we need to spend more time uh, with other people. Um, and as I've watched this and observed it and listened, there there is the preconception on the part of, at least in my life, the people that are pushing that agenda, it's how they are. It's how they're wired. And they're pushing for all the rest of us to, you know, this is what we all ought to be doing. And I'm sitting here thinking, you know, that's the last thing. That is the absolute last thing in the world that I need, that I want. Frankly, it's the last thing in the world that it would even be good for my mental or spiritual health. But, you know, who's asking me? I don't know if you're experiencing that or not. You know, it's like there's this collective urge and this clamoring of, you know, more time together, more time together, more time together. And I'm like, you know, I, listen, I'm, I'm looking to cut back, <laughs> which I know can sound terribly antisocial and all that. And, and perhaps it is, um, but I'll just cut to the chase and tell you the thought behind my eyes is I'm growing increasingly selective about what I want to do when it comes to spending time with other people. I just don't want to, I just don't want to randomly get with a big group of people just to get with a big group of people. I've never wanted, I didn't want to do that 10 years before the pandemic. So why would I want to do that now? And I keep looking at this encore part of my life and how I'm working to architect this part of my life. And I do have a partner in crime, you know, her, you love her. Um, you've never met her, but if you're listening to me, you love me. So you gotta love her. Her name is Rhonda, uh, my wife, and she and I both are bent very similarly. Now she suffers people a lot easier than I do. So she's got a lot more grace in that regard. But by and large, she and I would describe ourselves. We have described ourselves. We are not people who need a lot of people. And quite frankly, the people that we need, the people that we need the most are family. And once you get outside of that circle, it's pretty stinking small. It's just pretty stinking small. And we're perfectly good with it. And both of us have expressed to one another, you know, the frustration with other people who want to impose because they're wired a certain way and they want a whole bunch of people and they want a bunch of activity and we don't, and they're just happy to impose on you at every turn and make you kind of feel like, well, you're the bad guy because well, you should want this too, right? I mean, you should, you should want to be involved in a social get together every week. What's your problem? <laughs> Oh, how did I get off on this? This is what special episodes do. You know, when I just kind of, I just wing it and I just speak my heart. I do that anyway. I do that every episode. You know that. Um, 
If I didn't, I could be infinitely more popular. We both know this. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> there are some pivotal things that have happened. And this is worth talking about. And I don't care how old you are. Because you are either you are either approaching my age or your years from it or you're past it. Cause if you're listening, you're alive. So that means you gotta be somewhere on the timeline of life. <laughs> so you've either got to be in front of me, you gotta be behind me, or you gotta be kind of sort of where I'm at. Those are the only three options you have. So welcome to the timeline of life. I don't know where you are, but I can, I can speak for myself. And I think I can speak for other people who have already been where I am, or they are beginning to head toward where I am here in America. And I'm saying this for those of you that are listening in other climes here in America, we have social security. This is the kind of government mandated, you know, they take a certain amount of money out of your paycheck the whole time that you're working. And then you kind of sort of get it back. That's the, that's the real simpleton explanation. That's not completely accurate by the way, but just go with me. It's close enough for horseshoes and hand grenades. Who cares? So it is the U S government kind of form of retirement. If you please. Now, for most people, this is not a big sum of money. And for many, many people, if you can believe the pundits, it's not enough to live on. Well, it is if you want to be, if you want to live in poverty the rest of your life. So you better have kind of dotted a few I's and crossed a few T's and figured a few things out, or you might as well plan on continuing to work. So it depends on when you were born. Well, we were born in 1957. So for us, you reach the age of what they call full retirement at 66 and a half. So at 66 years and six months old, which for me will be December, 2023 for Rhonda will be January, 2024. At that point, we can collect the full amount. We could collect anybody can when you're 62. Yeah, but you forfeit quite a lot, but you know, if you're desperate and you need it, you need it. So some folks do start collecting it at 62. So 65 is, is the first mile marker in all of this, because there's this, there's this other U S government thing called Medicare. This is kind of the government form of socialized medicine. If you please, it's, it's insurance. And it's a certain dollar amount and it doesn't cover very much, but if you're, if you're, you've, you've got to file for it to get it and it's going to cost you. And for us, it's uh, well, for everybody, it's the same. I mean, I think this year it's $170 and some change per person. And you can think, oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, it would be great if it covered anything, but it really doesn't. So what you now have to do, you have to have that. You can't. You can't pass go until you have that and you can get that when you're 65, but now armed with that, now you can go into the marketplace. Welcome to capitalism. I love it. 
And now you can get supplemental on top of the medic. Now you can get insurance that will actually do something. Insurance that will actually cover something. Oh, but now this is going to cost you, and it's not going to cost you one seventy. It's going to cost you more than a buck seventy a month. But come on, kind of sort of have to have it. Well, you don't have to, but if you can afford it, you really should. And so we go shopping for that. Now all that happens at sixty five. Now that's a big deal. It's a big deal because at sixty five you can qualify for it. If you don't sign up within a window of, of time around your 65th birthday, there's penalties. If you sign up later, it'll cost you more money later. So you just sign up when you're 65. The smart money is on signing up when you're 65 and the smart money is you shop hard and you get the very best kind of supplemental Medicare plan that you can get. We did. Okay, great covered it's got a fairly low dollar amount of deductible meaning the amount of money that you're out of pocket until it kicks in that's all good okay now we got a we, we're gonna throw a third curveball at you here though with all this so you got medicare from the government now you got the supplemental that's going to be from a company and now well wait a minute wait a minute none of this is going to cover prescriptions None of this is going to cover any drugs. Oh, you got to go shop that. Okay. Well, but doesn't that come with the supplemental? No, it doesn't. And it can be a completely separate company. In fact, in both of our cases, me and Rhonda, so we got Medicare, that's through the government. You got the supplemental that's through this other private company. Well, it could be a publicly held company, but it's not the government. And now you got a drug plan. And the drug plan is from yet a different company. And oh yeah, it's got a premium. Now for some of us like me, I'm not really taking anything. I take a statin because I got an internal medicine doctor that thinks it ought to be in our water supply. So I take a statin that keeps your cholesterol down to like 70. And that's virtually nothing. I think it's a dollar a month. So it's a real high end prescription, you know? So my drug plan is like $6 and some change. But again, you got this window of time to enroll. And if you don't enroll, you get penalized and you don't know what the future is going to hold. So if you do go to the doctor, even if it's something temporary, like the flu or whatever, and the doctor needs to write you a prescription and maybe it's not something chronic. It's not a prescription that you're going to have to take for the rest of your life, but you need to take it now. Well, you're just going to have to pay whatever the retail price of that is, unless you have a drug plan on Medicare. Okay. So presto change. we've got Medicare at a buck 70. We've got our supplemental at whatever it costs. And we got our drug plan. Mine's like $6 and something. Rhonda's taking a few more meds. And so hers is more expensive. But we got it all covered. That all happens at 65. And and you're sitting there thinking, you know, this is the perfect time to really try to make me navigate and learn something that is like learning a foreign language. <laughs> right? The time to do that is wait until you're 65, right? I mean, let's don't do this when we're younger and we've got a few more brain cells to fire off. <laughs> So we get this done. Okay, well, that's a mile marker. 
And it's a mile marker toward this social security thing, which also involves the government. Funny how there's a central theme here, isn't there? Yes, the government is at the center of all of this madness. So now, if you're going to get full retirement, that is the full amount that you could qualify to get every month, you wait until you're 66 and a half. So now you're a year and a half away from that once you get Medicare done. Okay, well, time out. We, we've got another problem here, Houston, and that is... You could wait until you're 70 because once you hit full retirement at 66 and a half, do you have tired head yet? Cause my eyes are just rolling up in the back of my head. Just talking about it. I mean, imagine having to navigate this. If you're young, if you're too young and you haven't just brace yourself, get ready. Those of you that are older, you're laughing maniacally. I can hear you. You're laughing maniacally. <laughs> Welcome to our nightmare. We did that years ago. Um, you can wait until you're 70 and then you can collect the absolute max amount. Well, wait a minute. I thought full retirement was at 66 and a half. It is, it is, but you can, you can exceed full retirement. I think it's 8%. Don't quote me on that. I'm not a financial expert, but if you wait between 66 and a half to 70 annually, it can, it can go up 8%. And then say another 8%. And then by the time you're 70, whatever that increase would be, you're maxed out. It will, it, it, it won't go higher. The only way it would go higher is the government giving some cost of living increase to it or whatnot, but whatever you, you qualify for based on your lifetime income, that's the amount. Okay. Well, I don't care about that. Cause you and I both know, here's the big, here's the big elephant in the room in all of this. If you knew when you were going to die, you could really architect this thing really well, <laughs> but I don't know that. I wish I did know that or well, or do you that's, well, there's a topic for another day. Would you like to know when you're going to die? Well, when you're, when you're facing all of this kind of you're, you're going through this corn maze, trying to find your way out. You kind of sort of wish you did. Cause it's like. You know, I mean, if you knew you were going to die when you were, well, if you knew you were going to die when you were 67, then, well, you'd go ahead and collect when you were 62. Why not? I mean, you collect it for five years. Otherwise you wait until you're 66 and a half and you collect it for six months and then you're dead. And that's all she wrote. I mean, you know, so that's the key. The key is to know when you're going to die. Okay. But you can't know that. So you move on, you do the best you can. These events are big events and they are not big events because we're retiring. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of retiring. If you're like me, you know, you think of the person that's going to kick back and they're going to fish or golf or work in their wood shop or whatever, you know, whatever retired people, they're going to get up in the morning and the day is theirs. They can do whatever they want. They're not worried about anything. They, they just, well, I don't say they're not worried about anything. They're not worried about income because they're retired. They're not working for a living. Uh, I, I just have never thought about it. Honestly, truly have never thought about it. I don't, I don't plan on retiring ever. I mean, as long as I've got any kind of capacity at all to do anything for a buck, I plan on doing something for a buck. And it's not because I'm mercenary and it's not because I'm a capitalist. Well, I am a capitalist. I'm not mercenary, but 
it's not because of that. It's because I have lived my life. We have lived our married life, cash flowing life. I have talked a little bit about this, but it, it bears a deeper dive. There's a lot of approaches that you can make to your life and you don't have to be where we are. You don't have to be in the encore chapter of your life. You just, you, you just have to figure out how do you, how do you want to do this? How do you want to play this game? You can read enough that it seems there's empirical evidence to prove that a huge number of people live their life leveraged. They live it in debt. It's just a way of life. They see something they want. They have something they need. They whip out plastic. They buy it. They just try to make the payments. You could argue, well, they're cash flowing life. The problem is they're cash flowing life, a minimum monthly payment at a time, which is a really hard way to go when you're looking at high 20% interest rates on credit cards. But a lot of people are choosing to do it. You could also argue when it comes to real estate, a lot of people are absolutely positively. They have been willing to overbuy. They have been willing to overpay. Um, people want what they want. And most of us, we want it now, whatever it is we want. Ron and I just have not chosen to live that way. I would love to tell you that we're just financially, we're just so on top of it. And we're just so talented and we're not what we are is we're frugal. We're pragmatic and we really don't want to sweat bullets. I mean, to be honest with you, we're fear adverse is the main problem. Well, it's not a problem. It's an, it's an absolute gift. We don't want to be in debt because we don't want the hassles of that. Turns out that that's financially wise. I'd love to tell you, well, we're financially wise. We, and we, at this stage of life, we kind of sort of are, but I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that that's how it, it started that way. Although I can tell you, and I have told you in the past how, as a kid, I tracked everything that I carried this little accounting ledger, this little notebook, a little five by seven, two column ledger. And I recorded everything, everything. I mean, a pack of gum, everything gas in my car, everything. I recorded everything. I recorded every dime I made and I recorded every dime I spent and did that as long as I can remember. Can't tell you why. Can't tell you how I got started. Can't tell you that somebody set me down and told me to do this. Uh, I just, it was mostly curiosity. I wanted to know where's the money going. Cause I had lived enough life, even as a kid to know you can get five bucks. And the next thing you know, it's gone. And you can't, I, I can't remember. I don't remember what I did with that five bucks. I just know I don't have it anymore. <laughs> well, I didn't like that feeling. I'm like, okay, well, if I don't have the five bucks, at least I want to know where it went. I mean, that'd be nice. Wouldn't it? I can at least rest easy knowing I blew it. I blew it or I lost it or something, but to sit and wonder what happened to it. I'm like, no, I, I need an answer. Huh? Maybe that's why I did it. I don't know. So now fast forward and here we are. We're not kids anymore. We both turned 65 this summer. We got the Medicare. We got all that thing navigated. Got that done. Got that behind us. 
And now the next mile marker is going to be social. Hello. Social security. Say that three times really fast. And so again, December of 2023. So next December, well, not this next one, the one after that, and then January, 2024 for her. And that will be, that will be the kind of the final mile marker as we're transitioning into this encore chapter. Now, these are important factors, not, not just because of the financial stuff, but, and it's not so much the age stuff. It's just that the age is the barometer. The age is the mile marker qualifier for these events in your life. And so 65 can be thought of as the traditional retirement age, but for us, that's not how we're viewing it. We're viewing it. Okay. This is, it's now going to be this chapter and it's going to involve these two big components, these two big pieces. One has to do with health and health insurance and the other has to do with income, monthly income. And guess what they both have to do with? Well, they both have to do with finances. They both have to do with this latter stage of your life. And they both have to do with cash flowing life, because if you don't take these things into account, you're going to have a hard time calculating how to cash flow your life. Let's talk about what does it mean to cash flow one's life? Because you and I both know, as I say, stated, there are people that are living in debt and they're just living on the minimum monthly payment. So if they have a $10,000 credit card balance, and the minimum monthly payment is $25, pay the $25 and we keep moving. We just keep pushing the ball down the hill. Problem is that ball is like a snowball. It's just getting bigger. The 10 grand is growing. You're constantly going to owe more because you're not getting ahead of the snowball. You're not shrinking the snowball. It's just continuing to grow. And oh, guess what? The 10 grand is going to grow because, well, you're going to fall in love with something else that you got to have and you can't wait. And so now it goes to 12 grand. And meanwhile, you're making their monthly payments and you're thinking, Hey, life, it's all good. I'm cash flowing life. Yeah. The problem is you are being buried under the weight of debt. You just don't yet know it. So for us, what cash flowing life meant was not spending more than you can then you earn period. You can afford it. You can't afford it. And it's got nothing to do with credit. It's got nothing to do with credit scores. We've got spectacular credit scores. Got nothing to do with that. Got nothing to do with people's willingness to loan you money for us. It had to do with, do we want to owe somebody? And the answer to that is no, we don't want to owe anybody. And we don't, we don't, we are in debt, financial debt, to nobody, nobody. Now we've got ongoing expenses. And so now you got a cash flow life. I have lamented here before how, yes, we're in Texas and it's great and it's wonderful. It's hot as blue blazes, but it's great and wonderful. And there's no state income tax, but we do have criminally high property taxes. And when it is going to cost you thousands of dollars a year, and property tax to stay in a home that has no mortgage. Yeah, there's just something about that that doesn't, when you're the homeowner, there's just something about that that doesn't feel very good, you know? 
I've said to anybody that will listen, there is a tsunami coming. I believe in the state of Texas, this is a political rant. I'm not political, but I, I absolutely believe this and I'm somewhat worried about it for the future of the state, especially the older aging Texans. There are going to be a number of people that are going to be displaced from their homes because they simply, they cannot afford the property taxes on homes that they have bought and paid for many years ago. But the ongoing expense is going to cripple some older folks as the years roll on because this gray wave, as they call it, meaning the graying of America, those of us that are getting older, because we're baby boomers, but we are, you know, we're at the tail end. We're at the tail end or at the beginning thing. This is a tsunami. This is an absolute tsunami of older folks. And you're seeing it in the workplaces because you have seen, you've seen a lot of talent walk out the door as people have gotten older. And sometimes they have been displaced. And in other cases, they have chosen to bail out a lot of experience. And I can tell you, because I do a lot of leadership work, an awful lot of leadership has walked out the door in the last five years. And it's leadership that's really difficult to replicate. It's, it's leadership that, by and large, I don't know, has done a spectacular job of passing the baton. And I think it's twofold. I think it's, one, it's the ability and willingness to pass the baton, and it is the willingness to accept the baton. Because, well, come on, we were all young once. We think we know everything. The fortunate thing for my generation is the older heads in my that served us, they they just they just put us in our, in our place, and they didn't care about the political correctness. The old heads in my life, yeah, all this all this woke stuff and all this all this political correctness stuff, yeah, yeah, forget all that, forget all that. We've we've got life here to run. We got decisions to be made. We got wisdom to pass on. And they just knew you're 30, you ain't, you ain't, you ain't ready to be all that. And then some, so why don't you just, you just mind your place, young man. Okay. Well, you can't do that today. And I don't think it benefits the younger generation, by the way. And it certainly doesn't benefit the older folks in being able to pass it on. But all that is beside the point. Sorry for the digression. So this encore chapter, these two events, so you turn 65 and then for us, you turn 66 and a half and okay, there are no big mile markers as far as the financial affairs of your life go, right? I mean, when you hit Medicare and you hit full retirement for social security, you, you, you've hit it. Now, the sidebar part of this could be you could be in a position, you could be with a company that might have offered you a package that probably hasn't happened. If it did happen, it probably happened 10 years ago because those have drastically, I started to say they've been reduced, but that's not true. They've just gone away. So that early retirement package that companies did when they were downsizing, you know, a decade or so ago, that, that really has not been too much in play in recent years. However, there are some 
careers that have a retirement. I serve a sector. I don't work in that sector except as a coach, but city government, for instance, in the state of Texas, city government, especially if you're at a director level or above, really good retirement package and well worth investing in. And your employer is going to, in most cases, more than match that. And so because they are government employees, they kind of have the separate thing from social security. And quite frankly, if, if you're in a higher position of leadership, it's, it's a great deal. It's a great deal. And so those have their own kind of restrictions and their own kind of, you have to have been, you know, on the job for so long and all that. Um, but most of us, these two events that I've mentioned are the big ones. And after that, after 66 and a half, I'm just here to tell you after that, I got nothing to look forward to. <laughs> no, it's not true. Cash flowing life. So you take into account all this stuff because, okay, well, the Medicare stuff, that's going to cost you something. Okay. The social security that's income. So that's going to come into you. And so, yeah, I've got this working spreadsheet and you start mapping all this stuff out and you don't do this. You don't, you don't like to, you don't like to do that. Uh, yeah, I can hear you. You know why you don't like to do that? Cause you're scared of the truth. Here's the problem man. the truth will set you free. So you better get crunching the numbers. I do think, I do think it's absolutely financial disaster to not crunch the numbers. I think it's financial disaster to not, to not have a budget. And I can tell you that we've been fortunate that a good chunk of our life, we didn't necessarily have to, we weren't financially independent, but we were doing well and we weren't extravagant. We weren't going to be reckless. Um, but we didn't watch, we didn't watch money like we have in recent years and like we're planning to moving forward. And I'm happy. I'm happy to do it. It's perfectly fine. It kind of fits with this whole theme of minimalism and this whole theme of downsizing and right sizing and embracing a more modest lifestyle, which don't confuse that with being austere. I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about being a monk. I'm not talking about going and living in a cave. I'm, I'm talking about living a perfectly nice lifestyle, not opulent, not throwing money to the wind and not being reckless and not being careless. Yes. I'm absolutely talking about frugality. I'm not talking about, okay, well, we'll just, we'll go every day. We'll go, we'll go out to eat. No, that ain't going to happen. It ain't going to happen. Well, frankly, it's never happened. So why would it happen now? For us, the importance is to know that there's a certain amount of money coming in every month. There's a certain amount of money going out every month. And the amount of difference is a positive number. Meaning, let's just for grins and giggles and even numbers, we have $1,000 coming in. We have $900 going out. Great. We're left over with a hundred dollars positive. That's very different than we have $900 coming in. We have a thousand dollars going out. Congratulations. You just went in the hole about a hundred dollars. It's only a hundred dollars though. 
but yeah, you do it every month. And at the end of a year, you're $1,200 in a hole at the end of two years, you're $2,400 in a hole. I mean, that math doesn't work. It doesn't work. So when I say cash flow life, people, they, they, I've had this conversation offline with, and they're like, they just look at you like they've been hit in the face with a frying pan and they like, they don't understand it. And I'm like, so I've had to explain this, which is why I'm explaining it now. Am I encouraging you to embrace it? Uh, I'm encouraging you to think about it. I'm absolutely encouraging you. If you are in debt, man, figure out a way to get out, figure out a way to unburden yourself. Come on, man. The theme in the last two or three months here has been unburdening all kinds of unburdening. I mean, we've talked about all kinds of unburdening memories, possessions, stuff, relationships. I mean, all kinds of stuff, right? So unburden yourself from the debt. Now for us, cash flowing has also meant, okay, maximizing resources. So if you want a cash flow life, think about this. If you wanted to go start a business, that business is going to have a startup cost, something, I don't know what, pick a number, $50,000 to start this business. You need $50,000. Now, where are you going to get the $50,000? Well, you could say, well, I've got it. I got it in a savings account. Okay, great. You could, you can fund it yourself all the better. You could borrow it. You could go to family, friends, and you're going to pay it back. And you're going to pay it back. Well, if you're fair, you're going to pay it back with some kind of interest. I mean, they're going to earn something on their money. And that is if you don't lose it. You could go to a financial institution like a bank and you could borrow it. So you can either fund it yourself or go into debt. It's a choice you can make. You can do the same thing in your life. And that's what we're doing. So what are your resources? What are your assets? Well, assets are a house. Assets are a house. It's a big asset. Okay. Well, we can sell the house and we can finance and fund our encore chapter. That's what we decided to do. We decided we're going to finance our encore chapter. Don't know fully yet what the encore chapter is going to look like kind of sort of do, but not ready to talk about that just yet. Cause as I'm sitting here, I'm sitting here in the yellow studio and the house just went for sale. Now, by the time this comes out, the house will have been for sale and hopefully it's done. I, who knows? Nobody knows. So we're waiting. Now we wait, right? I mean, the thing just goes on. It just went on the market. So now we see, but our goal is armed now with those resources. Now we can fund our encore chapter. Here's where the fun starts. And this is where the real enthusiasm kicks in. What do you want your encore chapter to be? If you're 30, you're not thinking about it. If you're 40, think about it. Think about the encore chapter. Cause you got 25 years, give or take. I don't mean before it's all over. I don't mean before, but before you have to face the Medicare, before you have to face the things we just faced, you got to roughly, if you're in your forties, you got 20, 25 years, man, a lot of things can happen good. And a lot of things can happen bad in 20 to 25 years. So think ahead, think ahead and don't think, well, I'll worry about that when I worry about it. 
I'm not telling you to worry about it, but I'm telling you to think about it. Think about what you want life to look like when you turn 65. Cause it ain't going to look like it looks now. You're running around right now, chasing rugrats. You're running around like a chicken with your head cut off with all these kids. They're not going to be there and they're not going to be in college. They're going to be off and married or off living their own life. They might live next door. They might live a thousand miles away. You don't yet know. So what's your life going to look like? Her lady, there's this radio spot and it kind of drives me crazy. Now I don't know her marital situation. So let me state that as a disclaimer, but she's, she's talking about who her beneficiaries are, who these most important people are in her life. And she doesn't mention a spouse, her kids. Now that sounds glorious and wonderful. And I'm not shoot. I'm not throwing rocks at her at all, but I'm sitting here going, (laughs) your kids are going to grow up woman. I love my kids, but the kids grow up. I love my grandkids, but the grandkids are going to grow up. They're going to have lives of their own. You think I'm going to be a center focal point of their life. I am not that deluded. I'm not that crazy. I love them. They love me, but they better love their own family more than they love me. I'm not offended by that in any way, shape or form. Because Rhonda and I started out in married housing at LSU. We were just shy of 21. And here we are. We're not in married housing anymore. Here we are in Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. And we got a whole lot more. We got a whole lot more resources. We got a whole lot more money. We got a whole lot more of everything, including worries, than we had when we were 20 years old. Point being, there's been a lot of life lived and there've been kids raised and there, there's some grandkids now and life moves on and life changes. I'm in no way depressed by that, by the way, I'm rather, I'm rather tickled about all that because now the encore chapter is we're back. It's back to me and Rhonda. Well, newsflash, it's been back to me and Rhonda for over for 15 to 20 years now. But that's what's going to happen with you. So if you're in your 40s and you're listening to me and you're thinking, you can't see past today, I get it. I understand it. But trust me, if the world stands and you live, you're headed where we are. And look around because it's going to be it's going to be you and her. <laughs> and what's that going to look like? It can look like anything you want it to look like. I'm encouraging you to lean into wisdom to make that architect write that chapter just as spectacularly well as you can. And the writing needs to start now. You're not writing the encore chapter yet, but get to writing chapter one and chapter two and chapter three. And by the time you get here, welcome to encore chapters. Now here's the other rub about an encore chapter. It ain't a single chapter. Lots of chapters in the encore chapter. So Rhonda and I just turned 65. My mom just turned 90. My dad, Lord willing, he's, we're a month away or so of him turning 99. I mean, so there's a significant number of chapters between 65 and 90. 
there's significant chapters between 90 and 99. So it ain't a single chapter. It's a lot of chapters potentially in our future. And we just got to get busy writing them on the financial front. I'm absolutely positively cheerleading cash flow life, cash flow life. Few things are worse than living behind the financial eight ball. Few things are worse than sitting at night, worrying about where the money's going to come from, how the bills are going to get paid. And I don't care how modest the life is embrace the modesty of living because it's just the, it's just the path forward. I just so firmly believe it. We, we go to Airbnb over in Arkansas and we stay in a basement suite by a, a really sweet, accommodating couple. I would say that their house is it's under a thousand square feet. So it's, it's a really small, but come on, who cares? It's two of them. And it's perfectly, it's perfectly, it's perfectly nice. It's 800, 850 square feet. It's not a tiny home, but it's a small house. And it was built a long time ago. And it's got this really small basement suite, but it's perfectly quaint, perfectly nice. And backyard's nice. Deer walking around, feeding in the backyard, chipmunks everywhere. But I, I remember going. We only stayed there once. We stayed over a Thanksgiving holiday. The whole place was virtually booked, and that's why we we ended up in a smaller place than we normally get because, I don't know, it, it looked perfectly nice and accommodating. It was on the smaller side, but I was really glad that we went because here's this little couple, and they're just cash flow in life. And I remember talking to them about Airbnb. Well, when did you start this? Oh, well, you know, we started it a, a few years ago, and they they spent some money. They invested some money, and they – they had this part of the basement kind of redone, had a, had the shower installed. And, uh, I said, well, I, I hope it's been helpful to you. Oh, it's, it's been a, it's been a game changer. Now this is a, this is not a high dollar nightly rental, but you're, I I'm sitting here looking at this older couple and I'm realizing, you know, the Airbnb I don't know. And they, they do all the work themselves. So they don't have a cleaning crew that comes in. They do it themselves. Cause it's, it's in the basement of their own home. And I'm sitting here and I'm, I'm looking at this couple and I'm thinking, you know, hundreds of dollars a month that they generate through Airbnb makes a meaningful difference in their lifestyle. In fact, the wife told me so she said it, it has been an absolute lifesaver when it comes to just the way we live. Now they were already committed to cash flowing their life. So when you look at some older folks and you think, well, you know, their day's done and it's over for them. And I mean, here you've got a couple that I don't know in their late seventies, I would guess maybe early eighties and they're cash flowing life. And imagine, imagine figuring out how to operate airbnb and you're pushing 80 <laughs> i mean there's something cool about that to me right and they did and they figured it out and they're terrific hosts in fact they're super hosts and you know so just because we're getting long in the tooth don't write us off don't think we got nothing left to offer and just because you're getting older don't think that 
you can't find a way to cash flow your encore chapter. Yep. I'm talking finances and I'm not talking much more. And I said, we're going to kind of climb behind the eyes and, and I have, I have because it's, it's an elephant in a room. It's a big elephant in the room as you get older, because here's what you realize. Here's the behind the eye stuff. You realize that your years of income earning are largely behind you. I, not that you can't make income, but the days of making what you once made those prime years that probably began in your mid thirties and maybe went on until you were 50 or 55, those years are over and they're not coming back. And it doesn't have one thing to do with what you're worth. Man, I've had this conversation with so many people. It's not funny. We are not, our value is not in our possessions. Our value is not in our income earning. I get it. I understand, but I have talked so many people off the ledge in recent years who've got it in their head that because they once made this much money, then that was their worth. And now they don't make that much money. And so their worth is now been greatly diminished. It's just not true. It's absolutely not true. So there you go. As always burying the lead. The reason to click play is because if that's your fixation, get off of it, control what you spend, do the best you can with what you make, but control what you spend. And I'll leave you with this because it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks because until they're writing your checks and they're paying your bills, they don't have a vote. we'll see what the encore chapter looks like we're busy writing ours man we're 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 writing like demons there's a lot i'm really excited about in fact there's some things that i can tell you i'm more excited about than i've been in a in a very long time and lord willing our future is going to include texas and arkansas and we're going to figure that out and you bet i'm willing to share it with you but I gotta, I gotta figure it out first. I can't, can't share what I hadn't figured out yet. Well, we've kind of sort of figured Texas out and that's been the priority because, well, it's where my tribe's at, man, nine people on the planet that I care the most about. And so, uh, they're here. So that was objective number one in this encore chapter. Let's start writing the Texas chapter and get that one figured out. Shall we? And so we have kind of sort of know what the next step is going to be and that's really all we have to do in leaning toward wisdom we just have to know what's next oh man i'd love it i'm curious i'd love to know what step 10 looks like or 12 or 57 but i don't i know what the next step i think i know what the next step looks like and i know what the next step i'm going to take is going to be and like taking a step Let's see if we've got firm footing before we put all of our weight into it. Once we feel comfortable, we'll put our weight into it and then we'll figure out the next step. 
That's just kind of how life works. And trust me when I tell you that when you get to the encore phase of your life, it works even more so that way. <laughs> so don't, don't be busy getting ahead of yourself. It's all good. Yellow Studio 2.0, by the time you are listening to this, I hope it's history. And I hope 3.0 is being born. But I don't know that. I'm working toward it. That's the plan. That's the goal. I did start out with a bit of romanticism and sentimentality about the Yellow Studio 2.0. But I'm over it. I got over it pretty quick, to tell you the truth. So I'm quite happy to be turning the page and get on with it. That's why I've hit record so much, by the way. LeaningTowardWisdom.com is the website. My name is Randy Cantrell. I'm your host here. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio.